Hey, Sim here, and in this special episode of the Body Mind Empowerment Podcast, I'm going to share with you one of the workshops from my biohacking bootcamp that I did in July. So it's going to be about the circadian rhythms, how to optimize it, how to have better sleep, and how to align yourself with the natural day and night cycles of your environment and your physiology. So check it out, it's going to be quite an awesome episode. Also, I'm going to tell you that if you want to get access to the rest of the workshops that I did in the Biohacking Bootcamp, then you can join my Patreon and you can start pledging some uh, some funds into the account and support the podcast this way. But other than that, enjoy this episode about circadian rhythms, sleep and body, mind empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. And also, like the circadian rhythms, they're also quite quite new. They were uh, kind of discovered or like uh, quite scientifically proven or approved in 2017. When these scientists, uh, Jeffrey Hall, Michael Rosbach, and Michael Young, they won the 2017 Nobel Prize for, for these discoveries about the biological clocks and circadian rhythms, so it's quite new. Well, quite a lot of things to learn, learn about it. Uh, we don't know much, but we still know something. <laughs> so, what are circadian rhythms? Circadian rhythms are these biological rhythms that uh, are connected with uh, your environment. You, there's these biological clocks inside your brain and uh, they're going to have basically a lot of impact. They're going to control your metabolism, your physiology, your behavior, your mood and uh, basically all the other, entire or your entire body is connected with the biological clock in your bed, with your environment. So the center of it is actually called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, or SCN, that's where the clock is, it's near the pineal gland. And uh, the way your, your brain communicates with the environment is through the light, the light that can come in from the retinas in your eyes, or even potentially, like the skin is probably some, source, some sort of a signaling vehicle, your, your light can detect it on the skin your ear canals, your mouth maybe, and, uh, but the most of it happens through the retinas in your eyes. So, the circadian rhythms, they're going to control basically everything else inside the body, like your sleep, your day and night uh, wakefulness, your attention span, your concentration, and uh, hormones are definitely connected to that, your nervous system, your core temperature fluctuates throughout the day, your feeding patterns, and even on the cellular, le cellular level as well, like uh, apoptosis, DNA repair, and uh, the way you process food, and also like these pathways like autophagy, all those things are also connected to those uh, circadian rhythms. And um, this is a good example of uh, how a mismatch in circadian rhythms is quite detrimental for you. And the disruption in circadian rhythms, it tends to uh, this offset a lot of the anabolic and catabolic uh, processes during the day. And uh, for instance, like these, these hormones like cortisol and melatonin, they're, they're either supporting your body's growth or they're breaking down, causing stress. And uh, disruption in circadian rhythms is going to potentially you know, offset this balance of you're going to spend too much time being in the catabolic state where you're breaking down tissue, you're damaging your cells without giving your time to recover. So that's one of the biggest uh, problems of, of uh, mismatching our modern environment with the circadian rhythms of we're being constantly in this catabolic mode. Even even at night time, like the, the light stimulus is going to make us more stressed out and cause damage to the cells. And uh, an optimal, optimal uh, circadian rhythm is also good for longevity and definitely uh, this pathway called autophagy is uh, linked with it. Autophagy is the cellular pathway that uh, enables the healthy cells to break down the old worn out cells and convert them back into energy. And uh, your body is always in a constant state of flux between building and growing and a lot of that processes happen inside yourself 
where the mitochondria and different organelles are selectively uh, replacing the weak cells and repairing them and building them back into new. So that if you experience a disruption in circadian rhythms, if you have dysfunctional autophagy pathways as well, then you're going to simply accumulate a lot of the waste and toxins without, uh, without uh, putting them back into good use. So, so it's, um, you, you will simply, your cells and mitochondria will be less efficient and they will age faster as well as a result of that. And uh, a lot of studies have also shown that uh, disruptions in circadian rhythms they're connected to all types of uh, these uh, modern diseases uh, like inflammation, overweight, obesity, insomnia, uh, ADD, low moods, depression, anxiety, poor memory, learning and uh, definitely it's, it's a very huge issue especially as we're starting to become more dependent of technology like even just in my own experience or even in my own childhood, we didn't spend like uh, we didn't spend time being awake after midnight and doing being looking at our smartphones and, and uh, watching TV and stuff like that. And uh, even even there's there's been like a small shift, I would say, over the last you know, ten years or something, where people are constantly exposed to blue light all the time and. Uh, the effects, long-term effects on the health are going to just start to emerge. We're probably going to have like a huge wave of people with depression, bipolar disorder and other like psychological conditions as well, like in the coming few years because of the effect of uh, it has on our, on our chronobiology. I can't sleep. Shift work is probably one of the worst things you can never do to your health. And a lot of shift workers, they have higher risk of cardiovascular disease, higher rates of uh, you know, all types of, of um, poor biological markers and uh, yeah, definitely it comes to show that the circadian rhythms are actually like more dangerous for your health uh, based on the way it affects your entire metabolic pathways and uh, you can, you know, you can be eating a bad diet while still staying relatively healthy but if you are constantly out of sync with their environment or if you don't have a, a, access to recover from your daily activities then you can't run away from that for too long and uh, if you do have a shift work then you better get a better better get a better job because it's not looking too good for you in the future with insomnia nothing's real and the same applies to you know staying up past midnight or being being a night owl so a few examples of these uh, circadian rhythms, a best or the most basic uh, rhythm is the cortisol melatonin rhythm. Uh, melatonin is the sleep hormone that uh, is, is actually like, it's, it's going to promote sleep and recovery, but at the same time it's also one of the main antioxidants in your brain that's going to help to clear out a lot of the waste that gets accumulated, like these other proteins and uh, beta amyloids that are associated with Alzheimer's and uh, neurodegenerative diseases. So if your brain doesn't have access to melatonin or it doesn't go through these uh, cleansing processes in the night, then you're going to accumulate a lot of these uh, toxins, which is going to basically give you like uh, even more brain cancer and uh, other, other diseases. So melatonin is supposed to rise after sunset and um, usually around, you know, I would say starts to rise when it's dark and uh, it's, it's uh, progressive, it's going to increase throughout the entire night and uh, it's going to be suppressed in the morning with sunrise and like light, light is a direct stimulus for melatonin production and blue light from smartphones and uh, lamps and TV screens are going to inhibit melatonin production and the next to that is the cortisol cycle, which we talked about earlier as well, which is the stress hormone that's gonna make you more alert, increase wakefulness, put you into a more sympathetic state of high activity. And uh, cortisol is supposed to rise in the morning and drop throughout the day and be completely low in the night, like it's balanced with melatonin, high, high melatonin, low cortisol. And uh, another one is the growth hormone. Growth hormone is also this. Uh, uh, it's called growth hormone, but it's not actually making you more grow. We, we, 
we call it growth hormone, or the doctors call it growth hormone because it's used to describe how children uh, have a lot of growth hormone because they're growing organisms and they have a lot of it when they're young. But as, as you get older, growth hormone is more of like an anti-catabolic agent that's going to protect against catabolism and uh, preserving muscle and lean tissue. So as you become older, you're going to have lower growth hormone because of you know, not exercising and having less muscle mass. And uh, having more growth hormone is going to be better for burning fat, building, maintaining muscle mass and uh, also like uh, this repairing in general, repairing the, uh, your organs and your brain from the daily activities. And growth hormone tends to rise as well. Uh, in the earlier parts of the night, it starts to rise around 10 p.m. and peaks at about midnight and uh, after like 1 to 2 a.m. it's gonna start to drop again. So the best hours of sleep, the most rejuvenating hours of sleep are actually the first hours of between 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. So this is the time where your body is doing the most of the repair processes, especially like the physical repair. The brain tends to repair in the earlier or the morning parts between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. somewhere around there. So the first part is usually spent for the body and the second part of the night is usually used for the brain and mind. I have a question. As I understood, this is sunset and sunrise basically. Mm. Uh, but all, all those uh, time charts where you have uh, different times of day there, uh, in which part of the world are these yeah, taken yeah. and uh, do they take into account that, for example, right now we, we have sun, sunset, sun this up from, I don't know, uh, 4 in the morning until 11 in the evening and uh, during winter time it's yeah. vice versa. We have like 4 hours of sunlight. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and they definitely fluctuate based on the seasonality as well, like to some degree. But it's it's these findings or these statements that are based on these general trends of uh, there there there's gonna be some deviation all the time, but uh, it's like uh, usually like the general like overview, and they may def definitely change. Yeah, based on the environment, but uh, I would say. The, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be that. Uh, let's say big, big of a difference overall. Maybe like at at maximum like thirty minutes or an hour or something. Yeah, really, because ten p.m. in the evening right now it's like the same light outside. And well, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Your brain would understand that it's it's really a nighttime. It's true. Like you, you will still. Like your body knows, in the sense that it still wants to repair itself, it knows it has to go through, it, it needs to go to sleep as well. Light is a huge signal, but at the same time, during summertime, it's natural that uh, your body still expects that it needs to go to sleep <laughs> at some point. So it's kind of based, based on the other, throughout the entire year, it develops, you know, the circadian pattern, it develops the habit of knowing when it's time to sleep. When it's time to wake up, based on the simply doing it like the other 300 days of the year. Is it related to the long distance traveling? Uh, what do you call it? Uh, time yeah. time difference. Jet lag. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Uh, yeah, of course. Like, um, if you were to, you know, I'm gonna stay up in this Estonian time zone at the moment. And uh, it's daytime, I'm going to travel uh, to, I don't know, America and still, when I arrive there, it's still daytime, whereas in reality it's nighttime in here, Estonia. There's going to be a huge uh, mismatch in circadian rhythms. My body will think, uh, my body at the moment is adjusted to the Estonian time zone, but if I go to America, then uh, I'm going to have like this, this huge time gap where it's supposed to be nighttime in Estonia, but it's daytime in America. So my body perceives like, okay, it's simply, it's, it's going to be like uh, additional stressor in the sense of uh, your body kind of still elevate these uh, uh, cortisol hormones and wakefulness hormones and suppresses this, the restorative hormones. And that's simply going to be, if the negative effect of it comes simply from the aspect of not being able to recover and having like a day where you skip out on the recovery, which in the short term is okay, it's not going to have a big deal, but you know, over the long term, you're simply going to miss out on so many hours of sleep and so many hours of these uh, 
growth hormone surges and uh, melatonin surges, which simply gonna lead to you know the accumulation of toxins and too much stress. So are you even taking exogenous melatonin Tim, for those purposes, as opposed to the endogenous that you're? Uh, yeah, like uh, there are some supplements that are gonna uh, stimulate these hormones, and the melatonin is definitely very one of the simplest ones that can actually produce artificial melatonin, and uh, that can be used to you know boost your sleep and improve sleep quality, but it should shouldn't be taken as a long term thing because it kind of if you need to take melatonin in order to sleep, then it kind of shows that you're doing that your lifestyle is out of sync and uh, you would be much better off to fix the lifestyle instead of being dependent of the of the uh, taking the artificial supplement but I, I would think that you know taking some melatonin it may down regulate your own natural production of melatonin but it's there hasn't been a lot of studies showing that it does so it may have it may happen over the course of I don't know years of taking some melatonin but uh, in general, I think taking melatonin isn't going to inhibit your natural melatonin production in the short term. You're simply going to go, go back into producing it. And uh, in general, taking like a few grams of melatonin is kind of good for maybe like counterbalancing a poor night's sleep or counterbalancing jet lag, you know, making up for it. And uh, it's going to help you to actually potentially uh, using it as to you know sink into the new environment and uh, getting a good night's sleep that way but yeah it's, it's, it's like a short-term thing and every once in a while you wake up at a different time in a different place could you wake up as a different person the biggest disruptors of sleep in our modern world is our smartphone like the like gerald willard cores uh, pocket cards <laughs> which uh, are basically shooting uh, artificial light into our eyes, into our retina, and that's gonna disrupt the the pineal glands and the biological clocks. And the reason for that is that the blue light from those devices it, it follows this specific light frequency, which resembles the blue light from the sun. And uh, that's that's gonna tell basically tell your brain that okay, the blue light we detect blue light in our eyes, and it means it's daytime. Which means we're not gonna be, we're gonna suppress melatonin. We can't sleep, and it's like becomes a vicious cycle of uh, of not getting you know enough uh, sleep and uh, falling even more out of sync with the uh, environment. Does the same apply for these e-book readers or? Oh yeah, like the Kindle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, they do have like this like this blunted low low light version, but it's still a small amount. Like even they shown that. Even shooting blue light into the into your elbows or the back of your knees already, you know, suppresses melatonin a little bit. So, like the skin is also a detector of blue light and uh, things like that. But most of it is coming from the retinas. So that's the most important thing to pay attention to. If you were asking about this e ink technology, then there is no light involved. If you don't like switch on the, the actual yeah, light, if you turn it down. No, no, but you can switch it off altogether and use your nightstand lamp if you read it. If it's the e-ink, yeah, yeah. yeah, then it's, there's no light involved. Like the You'll still have light refract off the screen. Yeah, it's like, like, it's like the paper, you have to shine. In the, in the dark, you cannot see I it. I think it's, it wouldn't be enough to have like huge impact on your melatonin production. Like uh, there's still going to be some uh, light sources are all around you, and, and they're not gonna all shut down melatonin right away. Like it's a dose-specific manner of direct blue light is gonna directly inhibit melatonin. But yeah, like the, I wouldn't worry about it that much. So the reason why I ask is just like, uh, for example, if uh, you had a super stressful day where you had to handle lots of problems, so you have a choice of not reading anything and just going straight to the bed. And then uh, my brain doesn't shut down, it just goes on to the morning and in the morning I feel like uh, I haven't slept, uh, like I, ha I haven't gone to this deep sleep at all. Or if I read for 30 minutes, uh, even like from iPad or something which is super blue, I still uh, switch my thoughts somewhere else and uh, I get a better sleep. Mm. So even, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like uh, there are other things that also regulate sleep, like uh, anxious thoughts. Uh, stressful, holding some stress and inflammation and 
uh, what you eat and uh, did you exercise and your daily activities, they're all going to affect how you're going to sleep. And there are different, many, many aspects to improving sleep. But what about those blue light filters? Like plugs and uh, plugs, now yeah. on newer phones you have built in also the same thing. Yeah, th they're going to be definitely, you want to be using them in terms of like... Uh, but do they actually work? They, they do work to, I would say they, they might not work for 100% because there's still some glow coming from the screen. And uh, they would work. They would work if you also use like the actual the blue blocking glasses as well, and using the blue blockers plus the blue filters, and that's gonna be good enough. But if you simply use the blue filters without the blue blockers, then you may still get some uh, exposure to it. Like it would be better to use both, like wh whatever you can to apply as many uh, protection as you can, just in case, in the sense. But uh, most of the filters they. The iPhone ones that are built into the phones, they tend to be quite bad and they're not, not to not to not work. But they're like the, the other specific ones, like the Flux or Iris or Twilight, that are specifically designed for that. They they tend to do work, I think. Plus, there's also the thing that is for my phone is that uh, I do have the Twilight filter on it, but uh, there's underneath the smartphone, there's this, you know, panel of the, the home button and back button and the tab button. So that doesn't get affected by the twilight. So it still stays emanating blue light, but the rest of the screen is, you know, red light dimmed out. So this is simply a design flaw of the, of the, of the phone, not picking up the apps uh, filter, but you know, it, the filter itself is going to work. Yeah. They all have um, white or blue back lamps that are lighting the actual LED or OLED screen, so it's hard to get away from that fact that mm. there's actual wider blue light projected out from the the light the light source itself. Yeah, yeah. It's just dimming it and applying a <laughs> yellow color to it. It's not. I would imagine it's. As I understood, even the regular glasses would work to block some of the blue light because if, if they say that if you want to get this effect uh, on your eyes, that uh, to make your brain understand it, it's day you have to go outside and take your glasses off. Mm. So it should work the other way around as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some filtering going on, definitely. And you, you, when you're walking outside, then wearing sunglasses all the time isn't actually ideal because you're preventing your brain from receiving the signal of what, what time of the day it is. So it's actually better to not wear anything at all and get the sunlight into your eyes. At least when it's daytime. What about supplements? I mean, okay, if we're still on the... On the yeah. Uh, Light blue light and so on, but are there supplements who mess up the, the circadian rhythm? So it depends Coffee, on the yeah, 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 caffeine. We're going to talk about it later, but uh, say if I take vitamins. Uh, oh, no, no. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Like vi vi vitamins and things like that won't specifically have like they're simply the same as food, mm. nutrition in a pill. Okay. But uh, yeah, this is a good example of. Uh, Melatonin is suppressed most by this blue light and uh, the halescent lights that are more red and orange, they tend to resemble the sunset and those are, they, like we talked about, like, yeah, it's not, all light isn't affecting the same way, it, it, it doesn't affect your melatonin production the same way. The dimmer it is, the more red and orange, the less of an effect it has on uh, melatonin production. So a good fireplace is amazing for actually promoting sleep, even maybe for because of uh, it kind of looks like the sunset, looking at a fireplace or a candle. Or, or that's that's why the filters are all like this orange and red as well. But blue light isn't all bad, you know. Blue light is actually has many health benefits. Uh, it's gonna boost alertness, focus. It's actually been used in some ways to cure depression and uh, and uh, bipolar disorder as well. Like people, they you know they suffer from lack of energy, fatigue, lethargy, exhaustion because of they're not getting exposed to enough light frequencies and like you know seasonal seasonal uh, depressive disorder and uh, you know this winter blues is all connected to not getting enough blue light during the day. So it's a very generally a good idea to expose yourself to natural blue light and during the day or even using these different lamps. There's this, there are specific blue light lamps and uh, these uh, filters 
that can be used to boost your, your alertness when you're working or when you're inside, when you don't get access to getting the natural sun. And uh, I generally tend to kind of lower the, the filter on flux and uh, things like that uh, when it's daytime as well to kind of still send some sort of a signal into, into the retina. But yeah, but blue light at night is yeah, it's associated with a lot of diseases, cancer even, and uh, Alzheimer's and depression. And, and too much blue light, even during daytime, is gonna still be bad as well for the eyes because of the you know, stimulating aspect. So, how do you protect yourself against it? Uh, definitely, like, it's a good idea to get some blue blockers. We're gonna have some blue blockers with us later as well. And uh, the best brand I use are this uh, uh, TrueDark. They have uh, specific ones for filtering out uh, blue light and also, also like all artificial light. The red ones are quite strong and you can't see much at all. And those are very protective. <laughs> they're they're ex extremely good. And... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And also, like a good sleep mask is a very good idea to um, protect yourself from light that is coming around you in your in, in your bedroom. Like, for instance, especially if you're in the city, and uh, like it's a good idea to turn your your bedroom into a sleeping cave, basically to block out or to cover the windows and uh, to because the darkness is going to stimulate melatonin production, and uh, you, you're going to sleep better in dark. You're not afraid of the dark, are you? Um, temperatures. What's the best temperatures for sleep? Because temperatures are also signaling some circadian uh, uh, signaling. And uh, usually when it's night, when, it's the, when there's no sun, it's, it's generally more colder and your body is used to... You will sleep better in a slightly cooler environment rather than uh, cold. So the ideal temperature has been found to be somewhere around 18 to 20 degrees Celsius. And uh, usually the best night sleeps I ever had are like in the winter time when you're really, really cold or if, if you sleep in the snow or something. And definitely like during the summertime it's, it's quite difficult to sleep because it's so hot and you're sweating and your body doesn't really, your body doesn't have, have the ability to cool down. But I think it's simply a general uh, kind of guideline of you know as it gets hotter you you need to use less external sheets to to cover yourself you know and if it's cold then you can kind of bump up your temperature if you need to it's also the temperature of the air and your face gets exposed to the air uh, regardless of the amount of amount of blankets you have on mm. yeah well, but but most of the body would the, the core temperature will be still affected by the blankets yeah This is going to be like a general overview of what a what the optimal circadian rhythm would be in most people. Like there are going to be definitely some deviations in chronotypes and the lifestyles, but uh, usually that's going to be a good estimate. The, the deviation is only like I would say a few hours, maybe like 30, 30 minutes to 90, 90 minutes something, and. Uh, a lot of people tend, there's, there are people who do better, uh, who are like uh, early birds than are night owls, but yeah, there, there isn't any night owl who would say that I'm a night owl and I can stay past midnight. That's not really natural. It's, it's uh, a person who has simply constructed their lifestyle in that particular way and habits. So it's, it's, it wouldn't happen in nature, definitely. But yeah, like uh, usually, like I mentioned, the most restorative sleep happens in the midnight and the earlier parts of, of the a.m. Then the best time to wake up would be with sunset or with sunrise as the morning starts to emerge. And uh, generally that happens somewhere around you know, 5 a.m. until 7 a.m. something. And most people tend to wake up around that time as well. And um, it's a good idea to not use actually an alarm clock. You would want to uh, wake up naturally as if you rise with the sun. 
so that the alarm clock wouldn't uh, disrupt you from your sleep cycles and you know wake you wake you up, rip you apart from the deepest stages of REM sleep. That can that can potentially lead to some uh, cortisol and uh, some actually fatigue afterwards. So I, I don't use an alarm clock. I always wake up uh, whenever I feel the need to, and it usually happens all the time at the same time every day because it's built into the circadian rhythms and uh, you, you kind of get used to it. Then uh, definitely the morning parts of the day or the daytime is a good idea to stay active as well to kind of push the, or to follow the circadian rhythm and it's quite natural and uh, you want to wind down when uh, the, the evening progresses and uh, again lower your cortisol so that melatonin could rise. So you don't want to be doing some work, hard workouts right before bed because it's gonna uh, drop to sleep. How do you wind down? That that depends on the person. Like generally, it's gonna be something that involves both physical relaxation as well as mental relaxation to you know do some stretching and uh, not 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 be focusing on things that are mentally stimulating or not to work or to even you know do something that is feasible to you that doesn't put you into a sympathetic state generally like I tend to do is like stretching foam rolling maybe some reading watching some videos maybe with the blue book blue bookers <laughs> and uh, generally simply winding down yeah. so a lion you know a lion would eat and then fall asleep immediately or a cow you know graze and then fall asleep mm -hmm. so isn't it natural to fall asleep immediately after eating? I, I think it's, it's natural because uh, you do get some sort of this energetic release if you eat something, you like your body wants to digest it before it can be used for energy, like no one is gonna eat a huge meal and then gonna have a good workout, you know, you're gonna want to digest it and assimilate it, so it's, it is natural and when you look at like these, uh, these blue zones as well, then they also tend to have like they, they have lunch or siesta and they're gonna go have a small nap after that so it's quite natural in my opinion indeed just because of the ability just because of the fact that your body needs some time to break down the nutrients before it can use it but what about compliance which is I think a huge part of every lifestyle decision way of living so like if you look at here what about football Football. Yeah, you cannot watch uh, right. <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. Or World Cup. <laughs> yeah, like. Uh, how how do you make it work in an actual real life situation? Uh, like in my case, I have three kids, and uh, it's like almost impossible. Right, right. Well, there has to be definitely a shift in lifestyle in the sense of starting to prioritize sleep and the circadian rhythms, just because you. Uh, more rejuvenated, but uh, to make it work is definitely you can hack it with you know the blue blockers. You can kind of semi construct your own circadian rhythm by using you know blue filters and waking up at specific times by you know a few hours here and there. But uh, in the long term, it's going to be more difficult. You know, it will be easier to follow the natural sunlight all the time. But it's not yeah, always possible, and that's where you know the hacks come in from. You know, you can take some melatonin sometimes. You can definitely use blue blockers, and uh, whenever you do watch, you know, World Cup at midnight, then yeah, you simply have to take into account, or you have to remember that it's 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 something that you're missing out on, uh, or you're missing out on the natural growth hormone surges and things like that. So you have to kind of remember that okay, the next day. I might have to compensate for that by, you know, focusing more on recovery or not becoming so stressed out or not working too hard or not exercising too hard, you know, because I didn't get enough recovery from the night before. So it's simply always you can, you know, it's again like in the, in the previous lecture, it's, it's these principles, these tools we know and we know how to start using them, but we don't have to become so dependent of them that we're going to use them all the time. We're going to use them based on the situation and the context. So sleep cycles and uh, your body or your brain follows different sleep cycles. There are uh, quite a bit of debate of how many sleep cycles there are, but usually there's like 
non-rapid eye movement sleep, one non-rapid eye movement sleep, two non-rapid eye movement sleep, three, and non-rapid eye sleep, non-rapid eye movement sleep four, and there's those the rapid eye movement sleep. <laughs> so yeah, like deep sleep. There, yeah, there's like, but in principle, you can think about it like light sleep and deep sleep and rim sleep. So, uh, light sleep is actually the process or the duration during which you can uh, fall into deeper sleep. It's going to take a little bit of time before your brain can go into the deeper stages of sleep. And usually, to get into deep sleep, it's going to take about uh, 60 to 90 minutes. A full REM cycle is is, is gonna take yeah, 60 to 90 minutes and uh, the first 30 minutes of it is gonna be spent usually in lighter sleep then you know then the next ones 15 minutes or something are gonna be in deeper sleep and the last bits of it are gonna be in full REM sleep so in, in general they say that you do need about four REM cycles throughout the entire 24 hour period and uh, on an eight-hour sleeping schedule, it's gonna happen. Yeah, every every ninety minutes. But uh, it's actually you can kind of hack it in the sense as well. Like the idea, what a lot of research is showing it that is that it doesn't have to be an entire eight-night sleep uh, in one sitting or in one go. You can kind of segment it with some polyphasic sleeping and uh, things like that, where you have maybe six hours of sleep per night uh, which can give you like maybe three REM cycles and then you have another REM cycle in the afternoon like in the example of the siesta or taking a nap that's gonna give, still give you like four full REM cycles for the 24 hours so you, it's, it, there's, there hasn't been any research showing that it's gonna have a negative effect or it's also gonna make sense from an evolutionary perspective as well because uh, hunter-gatherers, they don't really spend eight hours in bed right away. They, they do follow a semi-polyphasic sleeping schedule where they sleep only for some parts of the night, then they're gonna move around a little bit as well and they're gonna have more frequent uh, naps during the day as well because in nature you don't want to, you don't have the privilege of you know staying in one spot and sleeping for eight straight hours because of predators and uh, things like that. So. There's definitely some uh, variation in uh, in terms of how many REM cycles, REM cycles, or how how long do you actually sleep per night. And with the polyphasic sleeping, you can uh, let's say you can uh, you can cut down your total sleeping time by a little bit while still gaining more REM sleep because you don't need you don't need the light sleep or the first stages of sleep. They're quite useless. They don't really facilitate any repair or recovery. All of the magic happens in the deeper stages of sleep and REM sleep, where you're dreaming, where your brain is actually conducting repair processes. So a lot of potential can be, uh, or a lot of time can be saved by cutting down on the light sleep while still getting enough deep sleep. So th that's, that's a huge. It's very difficult. Skip those one, two, three, if you can. Yeah. Not, not all of them, but maybe like the first stage one, like first stage. And it also depends on your sleep latency or how fast do you fall asleep. Because if you spend an hour, you know, cussing around in bed and moving around without falling asleep, then you're being in a very, you're not really sleeping, you know. Like it's not the hours of your sleep that matter, it's the quality of the sleep that matters more of how much of that sleep is actually in REM and deep sleep. So you can you can go into deeper stages of sleep faster based on, you know, what's the core temperature of the room or your body and what's this, are you, do you have enough melatonin and uh, did you get enough movement, did you get enough sunlight during the day? Those things are gonna help you to fall asleep faster at night time as well. And so this is a great example of yoring, uh, one of the best night sleeps I ever had. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this, this, these devices they can be used very well to kind of look at uh, how, how well do you actually sleep or to see the sleep quality that you have. And um, this particular night was uh, quite a lot of light sleep actually, but uh, adequate amounts of deep sleep and rope sleep. And, little to no awake sleep. You can't, you, you can't really know 
you know, detect you while you're sleeping. You don't really tell the difference if you're awake or if you're light sleeping. It's it's all going to blur together into the entire dream. But uh, the, the rings, the devices, they still detect it, and you can kind of correlate it with uh, different strategies and habits of how does this kind of food affect my sleep? How does this type of exercise? You know, did I blow, block up blue light or something like that? And I usually, and I even noticed that uh, I use the true dark glasses. And before that, I was using like regular yellow ones, yellow blue blocking glasses. And after I switched over to the true dark ones, the really red ones that block out blue light, then I was able to increase my REM by 15% by consistently. And you know, even though the blue blockers are already quite good, they're gonna block out most of the blue light, the true dark ones that blocked out you know, all of the light, they still had a significant difference. So imagine people who aren't using blue blockers and they're still looking at the smartphones all the time, then they have like huge uh, room for improving the quality of the sleep, especially like deep sleep. And you know, what, what they're missing out on is also scary. scary. What about those uh, iPhone apps uh, which track the sleep? How accurate are they? Um, not, I would say that it has to be kind of connected in your body or it has to have some sensors that actually detects your core temperature and it's, it would be much more effective to you know, have real data that corresponds with other, other, other biomarkers as well like heart rate, uh, heart, heart rate variability and uh, core temperature and, uh, and uh, these things. So it would be much more better for your own understanding of knowing how we can do it. And also with the, with the phones is that you don't want to really hold your phone near your body while you're sleeping because of it, it may disrupt your sleep with with the different uh, wavelengths and the electromagnetic frequencies. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure. Do you ever lucid dream? Uh, <laughs> sometimes, but lucid dreaming is uh, more more like a habit or a skill that you can develop. No, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't, I haven't learned it how to do it, but I have uh, had a few experiences in the past, not too hardcore or anything. Mm. You can use like galantamine and stuff like that to try and induce it. Yeah, but I would suggest that you know the blue light filters, they're gonna have a direct effect of whether or not you're gonna lose a dream because if you look at the smartphone and you suppress your melatonin before going to sleep, then you're definitely not going to go into REM sleep. And lucid dreaming is probably happening in REM sleep yeah. when you're dreaming. What does the REM stand for? Uh, rapid eye movement. So your eyes are kind of actually twitching and your like really subconscious mind is processing the information and memory retention and learning, learning new skills and uh, those things happening in REM sleep. So the REM and the deep are the most beneficial yeah, stages. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the REM is like the lightest one and the deep is the deepest one. And mm. The part in the middle is useless. Yes. <laughs> Not useless, they probably still have some benefit, yeah, like, but we don't know exactly how or, you know, we could potentially narrow it down. You can cut it down. You wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, miss, you wouldn't have any negative side effects if you missed out on some hours of light sleep versus, versus REM sleep. You would definitely want to have the REM sleep. When you look at a sensory of polyphasic sleep models um, where you don't have your melatonin suppressed, let's say, in the, in the middle of the day, mm -hmm. but yet you're able to go for a nap, how does it influence your overall circadian rhythm mm -hmm. and overall sleep quality if you are napping, let's say, in the middle of the day? Two-part question. And have you incorporated polyphasic or napping into your own routine? Mm -hmm. I would think like it's not going to have a direct uh, negative effect on the circadian over circadian rhythm because if you have the nap and you wake up then there's still sunlight around and your brain is going to adjust to it quite fast and um, the only difference or the only potential downfall would come from it is that uh, you wouldn't be that tired to fall asleep at night time you know like a lot of people say that I can't fall asleep when I have a nap during the day. Yeah. So that's the only potential issue that may come from. But in terms of circadian rhythms directly being affected, then I think there is there is no effect because of that. Because it's still like the REM sleep. It, it matters like how many REM sleeps you get uh, 
during the 24-hour period. But the circadian rhythm is simply going to be about whether or not you're going to fall asleep faster or fall asleep slower. Yeah, will reduce a little bit of the, the sleep pressure. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on ideal time, not timing, but amount of time that you would spend in a nap? Just the latency to right. get into it faster. Uh, a nap should be some, somewhere, along, somewhere along the lines of between between the REM, full REM cycle, uh, one REM cycle is going to last for 90 minutes. So you would want to kind of make sure that you don't go beyond that when uh, you, you're going to get the REM cycle and then you're going to go to a lighter sleep again without you know, uh, fully recovering into the second REM sleep. Mm -hmm. So in general, the best time for a nap is like 20 minutes or, or 30 minutes or going for the full REM cycle. Because if you stay somewhere around 50 minutes or something like that, then you do go to into deeper stage sleep. But if you wake up in the middle of a deep sleep stage, then you're gonna get you know disrupted from it. You're gonna not gonna gain the full benefits of a full REM cycle. So you're gonna kind of cancel it out almost, and it, it can actually make you more groggier and more tired because you're gonna get pulled out of it from the middle of a deep sleep cycle. So it's, it's a good idea to either nap just enough without going into the deepest stages of sleep or napping longer enough so that you would get the full REM and you would go into a lighter sleep stage again and then waking yourself up so that you wouldn't get the grogginess effect. Yeah. So in general, like 20, uh, 20 minutes or 30 minutes or going for the entire 90 minutes and then waking up, that's a good, good uh, napping uh, length. Yes. It makes sense to complete the whole cycle yeah. once. You hear a lot of advice from Tim, uh, Tim Ferriss and others around doing the, the coffee nap of oh, yeah. downing an espresso cool. and then waking up 20 minutes later when it's fully kicked in. That's, yeah. that's, that, that's a good biohack as well. Yeah. Like drinking, drink a cup of coffee, you go for a nap for 20 minutes and by the time you wake up, you're going to get the caffeine surge and you're going to get the, and you're gonna get the uh, power nap effect as well. So it's double dose. Double dose in the hip. You're probably waking up mid REM cycle though. Hmm. Depends on yeah, like yeah. Or at the beginning of your REM cycle almost. Just yeah. The yeah. Depends on yeah, like how fast you fall asleep again. Yeah. But I, in my experience, I've done like uh, polyphasic sleeping in the past as well, like three years ago I did, or two years ago I did 100 days of uh, sleeping only like four hours during the 24 hour period. I slept for like uh, three hours at midnight or, or like from 10, 10 p.m. until 2 a.m. or something like that. Or not, yeah, 11, 11 p.m. and uh, two, until 2 a.m. So that was a three hour period. I got two REM cycles from that. And then I had about two to three, 20 minute, 20 to 30 minute power naps throughout the day. From like uh, from like five a.m. to six or five a.m. to six or five a.m. to five thirty a.m. Then maybe between eight a.m. and eight thirty a.m. and another one at noon around twelve to twelve thirty a.m. So it was like during the entire twenty-four hours, I slept one one longer sleep and three power naps. So in total, I was like four to five hours in this one day and I was still able to function. It, it wasn't sustainable in my opinion because your body still needs to kind of catch up on it but it was a cool experiment <laughs> to do. It was very interesting as well. You kind of, uh, you wake up in the middle of the night exactly and uh, it's almost like a very lucid dreaming experience because you're semi sleep deprived almost all the time and uh, you don't really differentiate between the day and night cycles, you're gonna, if you, you, you simply go, go to bed when other people wake up and you, you have these naps and you don't really recall having gone through like a, you're almost like awake 24-7, so it was interesting. We, we assume this as an experiment or to get more work done, squeeze more out of the day or? I was doing both of them, both of, both of them, uh, I, I wanted to do it just because it sounds cool in the sense of you actually being able to uh, control your biology so much that you can uh, you know, even control the sleep. But I think like uh, in the long term it may have 
some as as you as you as you learn more about circadian rhythms and the importance of sleep, then you kind of know that okay, this can't be healthy in the in the long term. Yeah, but there are there are like a lot of historical examples who have done it as well. Like Thomas Edison was definitely he was a huge proponent of it, and uh, Nikola Tesla, Napoleon Bonaparte, but. But they all died, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if it's worth it. Oh, mixed it. So the purpose of the ring is to maybe tweak things you do during the day, maybe, in order, and, and then check whether you are in deep sleep and, and ran and all the rest of it. Yeah. And then you see what works, what doesn't. And then adjust. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like these, these data technologies, they're primarily done for you know, getting some data and looking information to, so, so you can structure your lifestyle and habits. And yeah, uh, I, I myself have noticed that the biggest disruptors of deep sleep are like blue light and definitely like stress at, uh, at, at and in the evening. Those things are quite huge. And if you are wired up, anxious, then it's very difficult to fall asleep. <clears throat> and also like uh, exercise as well. If you exercise in the evening, then it's going to have uh, more negative effect on sleep sleep quality and uh, you may potentially get less deep sleep if you stay physically active in the evening versus in comparison to staying active and doing the morning parts of the day. So caffeine, coffee, uh, the half-life of caffeine is about uh, four hours which means is that after four hours of caffeine after four hours of drinking the caffeine, even like as much as 50% of it is still in the system. So if you drink caffeine at, uh, let's say, at the moment it's 1 p.m., if we drink caffeine right now, then 50% uh, of that caffeine is in our body at uh, 5 p.m. still. So it's going to take an additional few hours for it to be cleared out entirely from your, from your bloodstream. So it's kind of... Um, it's a good way. It's a good thing to know because if you drink caffeine late, too late, then definitely it's gonna have a negative effect on deep sleep and uh, and things like that. So the last time you would, the, the last time it would be safe to consume caffeine would be around. You know, I I, I recommend to limit it at 2 p.m. or something, that's the, that's the last time you wouldn't have any negative side effects on, on, your, on your sleep cycles because it would be cleared out by you know, 8 p.m. in the evening or 10 p.m. So after that it's going to be more... What about that? There are lots of people who don't feel any effect of caffeine and they can have an espresso or an americano and go straight to the bed. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a... There are some genetic variances of whether you're a fast caffeine metabolizer or a slow caffeine metabolizer, and uh, yeah, it, it is it is to kind of have this subjective experience of not being affected by it. But there's still going to be some neurological effect that the people don't, you know, they say to go to sleep, but are they actually sleeping? You know, that, that's a whole other story. I actually have quite a good example of this because I'm genetically slow metabolizer of coffee. Yesterday I made a terrible mistake. I, I actually took coffee around like 6 p.m. And for, for slow metabolizers, I think the coffee break count time is twice as much as slow metabolizers. So it's actually eight hours. Mm -hmm. And I got, first of all, I lost my sleep. I got like five hours, 40 minutes sleep according to my aura. And I was like, okay, well, I still got like almost six hours of sleep, but I got only half an hour of REM. And normally I sleep like three or four hours of REM, which is like, that, that's a lot, but I know it's, it, it is between two and four hours, that's normal for me. Yeah. So even though you drink coffee, you go to bed, you, you go to sleep, but you necessarily don't get your REM sleep or anything. Yeah, yeah. That might be the problem. Yeah, because the caffeine is gonna, you know, prevent the brain from going into deeper room because it's stressing. And also like stress is, stress is gonna be also like bad because of that. You're, you're gonna prevent your brain from falling into the deeper stages of sleep and it's gonna wake you right up whenever you do uh, go into REM, even for a little bit because the cortisol is gonna tell your body that 
you're in this environment, stressed out, you have potential predators around you, and we cannot fall asleep because you're gonna die, otherwise you're gonna be eaten alive. So it's gonna constantly wake you up as you become more deeper into the sleep. Cortisol is the kind of the method of action in terms of yeah. sleep disruption. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I make you alert. And same applies for the tea, I assume, yeah? I mean, the tea, tea has also caffeine in it. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna have less caffeine, and I would suggest like you can drink like green tea, you know, a few hours later, like in the evening, but this still has like caffeine a little bit. It's gonna be less of an effect, but uh, yeah, some effects still maybe. So there are no good tea to drink at eight o'clock or six. Some herbal teas like you know these uh, jasmine and uh, chamomile, uh, hibiscus. Rose, those 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 are good good options because they're gonna actually have like this adaptogenic effect of also uh, lowering stress and putting you into more parasympathetic state mm -hmm. relaxation. But Holy yeah, basil tea. Hmm? Holy basil tea is a great bedtime option. Caffeine is not a molecule we would encounter, say, in in the Italy. Italy. Yeah, no, say Europe, let's say, a few mm -hmm. thousand years ago, would we encounter this one? For sure, for sure, definitely, like. Uh, you because wouldn't. we're stressing it so much nowadays, and it's not probably something that is. It's not our, our. It's yeah, definitely. You wouldn't be caffeinated, <laughs> twenty four seven like the modern society is. Mm. So yeah, it's. Yeah, but there are like a lot of other health benefits to caffeine and coffee as well, like protects against uh, Alzheimer's, diabetes as well. Uh, protection helps to reduce blood sugars, and. Uh, it's 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 simple. Like you don't have to become a caveman in order to be healthy. Like of course you can't take like even though MCT oil is a processed food, it has many health benefits. Like coconut oil is also processed. It's not natural. So you know you don't have to get caught up in romanticizing this idea of a paleo man or a caveman or a vegan man or or or, or you don't you never wanna adopt a certain lifestyle because of wanting to hold on to some sort of idea. You always want to take the principles and tools and apply them uh, what suits the context of the situation and you know, what's optimal for the body. But you definitely don't want to overdo it. You know, it's, it's still the, one of the most commonly used and one of the strongest you know, performance enhancing drugs basically. And uh, a lot of uh, both athletic performance benefits and mental performance benefits. And you can use it in some situations, but it's but it's not something that would be, you know, very natural. What about uh, in the ruling, like they have in Italy, that you shouldn't drink milk-based uh, coffee drinks afternoon, in the afternoon, after mm -hmm. uh, 12 o'clock during the day. Is there any truth to it that, like, uh, they say that if you put milk in a coffee, the caffeine will take longer to leave your body, or yeah. the espresso is the most... I would I, I would I would suggest it, it does because the, the the milk has like fats and some proteins that are gonna slow down the absorption rate and if you combine that's the idea of the bulletproof coffee as well you mix the caffeine together with fats and the butters to kind of prolong the effect of caffeine so that you would get a more sustainable response for a longer period of time so you wouldn't crash like adding sugar and into espresso is gonna create the more crash because it gets metabolized so much faster and it has spikes the cortisol and the caffeine instantly yeah, versus right. the combining yeah, the fats is going to slow it down. And uh, if I remember correctly, the milk also uh, blocks the beneficial effects of the, the EG, CG or whatever mm, the mm. aberration is. From green tea. From green tea, yeah. Yeah, yeah it pro probably does, like the calcium absorption is going to compete as well, like with magnesium and... Uh, then it makes sense. Yeah. So how do you improve your sleep? Uh, consistency is actually very critical in terms of going to bed and waking up at a particular time every day to kind of build this routine into your system so your body knows when it's time to sleep. And uh, yeah, reducing your caffeine intake is also a good idea to, or at least limiting it you know, within, within certain hours, turning off your computer, television, not getting stimulated by blue light, and uh, you know, eating before 
before bedtime is also like generally gonna decrease sleep quality just because your body has to digest the food instead of uh, sleeping and uh, being physically active through the, throughout the day is, is a good way to actually having a better night's sleep because you'll be you know moving around you'll be exposed to the circadian rhythms and you're gonna have like a, a reason to fall asleep you know, like everyone knows how it's how, how good it feels to go to bed after hard days of work or, or, or something and uh, not drinking a lot of liquids before bed is also good, quite a good idea to you, you won't have to go to the bathroom uh, darkness silence not having a lot of you know, not, not complete silence, but uh, not having like not having to sleep in a construction site. Some white noise in the background is actually beneficial to to promote sleep because you, you know you, if you're in a forest, then you still have like wind and and uh, leaves. So and uh, yeah, sleeping the bedding or the or the mattress. It wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be good to have like a very soft mattress or sleeping on a lot of pillows because you'll be, your spine will be in a jeopardized position so it's a good idea to have a slightly, slightly tougher, tougher surface to sleep on and that depends on, as well on like your general mobility and uh, your body shape and uh, I don't recommend using an alarm clock Unless you feel the, or unless you have have to wake up at a specific time, but you would want to develop this internal alarm clock of waking up every day consistently in the, in, in, in the same time frame. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. Getting more sunlight during the day is quite important for actually getting a better night's sleep at 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 night time, because the circadian rhythm you're gonna experience the hormones and uh, mood and benefits of sunlight. And uh, definitely, we should definitely have a sun, sun, sunlight break after this workshop to go outside. General, I'm not sure how valid they are in terms of actual science, but this, this is a generally universal circadian rhythm for the human biology, with uh, the alertness boosting hormones being elevated in the morning and. Uh, the, the relaxation uh, hormones in the evening and as you can see like the fastest uh, physical fitness times and uh, general uh, muscle strength they tend to be in the afternoon time when uh, I would say your nervous system simply kind of has, has, has reached the benefits of all the wakefulness boosting hormones and it simply peaks at around that time of course there are differences people you know they may experience more performance in the morning but yeah that's that's a good kind of simply a good estimate to know so that's the last slide actually so we can look at it for, for a while I can also share with you later uh, what is bowel movement uh, well it's the bathroom number two yeah, yeah number two <laughs> okay so yeah usually usually it's most of the bowel movements happen in the morning in most people and there are definitely a lot of books as well you can read about it like uh, the power of when and uh, they talk about these chronotypes and circadian limbs and like the, what's the best time to do anything what's the best time to have a meeting what's the best time to have a phone call and when to take happy and uh, things like that so. have you experimented with that have you tried to live your life according to all those uh, algorithms well, I think it's, it's kind of natural in the sense of I do want to make sure that I go to bed around that time when, you know, before midnight at least. That's, that's my kind of last milestone at all, when I go to bed and wake up around you know, 6 a.m. or something like that. But uh, yeah. 8.30, you're in the bathroom no matter what. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that depends on many other things, I think. But yeah, like you, you, you can, you're gonna expect uh, with a stopwatch waiting for it, you know. It's time, it's time now. Google Calendar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you have any questions, then. So are you winding down kind of for bed by not by nine p.m., nine thirty, you're in, go to sleep by. Uh, this is some, yeah, it depends. Like, 
9, 9, 10 a.m., 10 p.m., something around. Yeah. It's hard to resist the urge sometimes to... Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you can, you, you, can uh, you know, biohack it in the sense of you can still use your smartphone after 10 p.m. as long as you have like blue blockers yeah. and, you know, as long as you're not watching Terminator or something like that, that's going to put you into the... or you're not watching the news that you're all yeah, about. Yeah. So, yeah. I find with the blue blockers, if you do wear them, you're actually, if you put them on around 6, by 10 p.m. you're like you're not exhausted yeah. tired, but you're really nicely tired. You want to go to bed. Exactly, exactly. That, that's to. that's the idea. The blue blockers are gonna filter out the blue light, which is gonna naturally let your body know that it wants yeah. to go to bed. And you know, if you if you use the blue filter or if you don't use the blue filters, then your brain simply won't get the signal. So put them on at six, roughly. Yeah. But so like, if you work till five six. And then you go to the gym. It's it's six, it's seven. it's not that because at six time there's still sunlight. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not using I'm using only blue at at the moment this particular time of the year I'm using blue blockers maybe like eight p.m. That's when I or or even nine p.m. sometimes, and uh, that's the time I actually start use because it it's not like um, it may take maybe like a few hours for the melatonin to be starting to release. So yeah, like two hours before bedtime is a is a good optimal time to start wearing them. So unless you're outside, unless you're outside, like um, in in the natural sunlight, and there's still sunlight, then it's no, it's not necessary. And if you do like expose yourself to blue light, then I would suggest it's gonna take like maybe an hour before your body can start to uh, raise melatonin again. Uh, about uh, <clears throat> the red light therapy, uh, you do it in the morning, correct? Mm. And why in the morning? How does that go together with the circadian rhythm? And I think the evenings? it's a good mor morning because you're, you wake up and it's a good way to, you know, in terms of productivity. You do the morning routine, you get it done with. And it does, you can do it you know, throughout the entire day as well. It doesn't really have any circadian rhythm in the sense of the, the red light, it resembles, you know, it's, it's, in, it's the, the natural sun spectrum or the sun frequency, light, light frequency from the sun, it already has the red light, but it's not as strong as you would get it from the, from the red light. So it, there is no really difference when you use the red light. But I, I do it in the morning because, yeah, you're already woken up and you can simply sit on it and do some other morning routines. Alright, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, I'm sure that you got some ton of value from it about you know learning how to sleep better and how to be healthier and I'm gonna remind you again if you want access to the rest of the biohacking bootcamp videos then join my Patreon account, start pledging for it and you will also get access to like monthly Q&A sessions in the future so definitely it's well worth it and it can help you to support us the show and uh, keep it going. And uh, other than that, I would also love it if you could leave a review on iTunes or, or the other podcast apps because that's going to also help a ton. It's going to help to spread the message and uh, get some more attention to these topics, which I think <laughs> like all of us need to hear. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Click the like, subscribe, notification bell as well. My name is Seem. Stay optimized, stay empowered. The most important thing you learn from the bootcamp? most important thing. I have to say, using infrared on the uh, testes, yeah. <laughs> Shoot some balls. Uh. Definitely going to try that later. <laughs> right.